Okay, we are back live again with the Battleborn Duckers here for another exciting show. Find out new software here, and so Brian is a little grumpy. It's yeah, okay, though. Ron set it up, and it didn't go right, so <laughs> go figure. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. Well, Brian, how's your week been, man? Is it? Crazy. I get home for, I'm home for a week, and then back on the road again for a week, and then... Hey, at least you can go fishing on Saturday, right? Yeah, we do. We get to go smash some carp. Let, yeah. Let Ray Dale do a little cooking for us. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. So as you guys have um, a couple people, we have Emily. Um, Emily, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself since you're smiling up there on the screen. Yeah, yeah um, my name is Emily Nelson. I'm the visitor to here at Branigat National Wildlife Refuge. Um, so I run everything that's related to visitor services, um, including our visitor center, our outreach, um, and education programs. And so you're the one kind of uh, honchoing this uh, this whole uh, carp rodeo this Saturday. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, the all together and um, telling people what to do on Saturday. Um, yeah. yeah, so we've been planning this um it's an annual event so it happens um every year and so um you know we've it's together but i really started um a couple months ago reaching out to a lot of different organizations and starting to put things together and get sponsors for the event and um getting volunteers and there's a lot of different moving parts it's all coming together very nicely so i'm very excited well, and you should get a medal anyways because you got to put up with Rob every day. So, I mean, that there should be like some <laughs> award or like congressional medal of honor or something that goes along with that. So, <laughs> uh, Brian put you off. Like, Rob is one of Brian's best friends. Well, not our best friends, but Brian really likes Rob. Yeah, we got to spend a lot of time together this year. So, <laughs> not on necessarily the way he wanted to, but we, we would do 10 minutes of work and three hours of talking about ducks. So, <laughs> yeah, well, Rob's one of the most knowledgeable guys in Southern Nevada when it comes to duck hunting and wildlife management area managing. Uh, absolutely, and he's taken that and he's turned that WMA into something pretty incredible from what it, what it was. So, the amount of ducks and stuff we're getting in there just well, from what they were. So, now, what's your background, Emily? Where do you where do you come from? How did you get here? Why do you like it here? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Central New York State um, near Syracuse. And um, I went to college in New York. I went to college in northern New York um, in the Adirondack Park um, at Paul Smith College. And I just graduated uh, in May of 2021. Um, and then I got a job working uh, for the Forest Service in Aspen, Colorado. And I spent the summer there. And then that was a seasonal position. So I started looking for another job. And I found this position here um, that started right when my seasonal position was ending. So then I moved here to Nevada and um, gotten a lot of really cool experiences. Uh, like you guys mentioned, Rob is super knowledgeable and he really takes the time to teach you uh, about everything that he knows. So uh, I've really gained a lot of knowledge about wildlife management and especially so it's been a really cool experience. How hard of a transition has it been going from like a big city, New York, into <laughs> into Alamo, Nevada, where the biggest the biggest grocery store is the gas station? Yeah, 
Yeah, so um, I grew up in a super big city, but I was close enough to civilization. So it was definitely a transition um, because not only did I have to get used to living remotely and, like you said, having the biggest grocery store be the gas station, um, you know, having to drive to Las Vegas if I wanted anything more than what's at the gas station. Um, but also just getting to, like used to a different ecosystem. Um, the desert is obviously very different from New York and very different from the Rocky Mountains. So it was definitely a big adjustment, but I have really enjoyed my time here and been able to really learn a lot about a different ecosystem, um, which has been really, really cool. And I've gotten to experience plants and animals. Um, so it's been really awesome. So what's the goal of the carp rodeo based on the ecosystem up there? So I, I know like people will think like fishing, you know, you have a limit, but there, there's no limit on carp. So what's the whole end goal for, for this whole event? Yeah. So carp are an invasive species. Um, and so they are bottom feeders and they um, remove a lot of the aquatic plants and then also muddies up the uh, water. And so we, it's unable to have more plants grow. And that's like really important for the waterfowl um, that are here. And so the goal is to get all of the carp out of the upper lake um, because they are invasive and destruction to the ecosystem and then affecting um, the whole reason that the refuge is here, which is for migratory birds and the ducks. Um, so that is our biggest thing is just getting them out of the lake. That's something I don't think a lot of people understand. You're explaining that to me, Brian, about that refuge, correct? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that's there are more carp in there than we know what to do with. And so anytime we, one of the cool things about that refuge, which is kind of unique in the state of Nevada, is that one specifically there for birds, right? And so it's there for the waterfowl population. And so we don't get that, especially think about southern Nevada being in the desert. And, you know, when you come down from New York and come to 120 degrees and there there's another medley to get but yeah so <laughs> you you get that um that waterfowl that we don't really get to see so you get if we can eliminate some of those invasive species and those issues that are causing um, heartburn with our waterfowl populations and causing us to have areas that are reduced capacity then um, if we can fix that then we can actually have more ducks and you know it's kind of funny because i was actually looking at an article today that was talking about the pacific flyway and said it was the most ecologically diverse flyway that we have with as far So it's kind of cool because we think about it, and we actually had to talk about it one day about just the amount of different breeds of ducks that we have coming through our area, and that's partly where we're situated in the flyway. And so the cool thing about Paranagat is it gets kind of carries all of those, so we get a lot of cans, and we got some Mexican ducks out there now, and... You know, you get a little bit of everything out there that kind of helps. So if we can help that biodiversity a little bit and get rid of that that invasive species that causes the problems, then we're going to be better off. Yeah. Well, we have someone else in the studio who probably ought to introduce her. Like, <laughs> she's just sitting in the corner she's looking like, awkward. Brian, you're a rude host, man. It's, it's all, all your you. fault. It's all you. I'm just barely got here. Your beautiful beard. So what we got Abby from Endell and she is you've run, you've done the carp rodeo for quite a bit haven't you Yeah so I was a volunteer coordinator for my first 3 years 
And so um, I've been doing the carp rodeo for about seven years now. So I've seen every weather change that the carp rodeo can have. So I'm praying for good weather. It actually looks perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I um usually we expect a lot of breeziness um so uh it's pretty neat to see some of the guys that are out there with some of the special stuff which we'll dive into but yeah so what um so you've been there what what's the best type of weather for fishing then out there what 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 makes the fit the carp just like go crazy i think our best year actually was 2019 um, I can't, uh, Jessica posted, I think a hundred and some ridiculous amount of carp that we pulled out that year. And it's because like the guys that keep that were regulars mm-hmm. and I say guys, families, um, that were coming out, like just got better and better and upgraded their uh, equipment, upgraded their bait, started making bait. Um, and, uh, it was a little bit sunny. It was a little breezy, but not too breezy. So I want to say one of our slowest ones was definitely like overcast rain and higher winds. Um, and that when I was running out of the back of the trailer, just to survive for five hours, <laughs> <laughs> rain and wind, um, and doing loaner equipment. Um, and so the guys went out in their waders just to stay warm and stuff like that on the dike. But we had a, we still had a good group. I'm, it's amazing to see how many people go out there, no matter what the weather is. So, what if you don't know anything about carp fishing? What if you have no idea what you're doing? Should should going to be difficult? Oh no! Um, anyone and everyone is welcome. We've had everyone from like red hat ladies. We've had like rec centers just bring. What's a red hat lady? Can you explain that to me? <laughs> uh, is that code word? <laughs> no, no. 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 It's code word for seasoned. Seasoned. It's oh. a it's a tea group. It's a tea party group. Okay. Like they literally like go to restaurants and have lunches <laughs> and tea parties and wear their fancy oh, hats. They made it. So <laughs> so those type of ladies are out there fishing. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I so yeah. Off. So um, <laughs> all ages are welcome too. Good luck keeping up. <laughs> <laughs> and um. Like buses from the rec centers and stuff like that, and people that are like not even used to fishing. You do have to have your fishing license because there are still some bass in there. Um, we actually have had people pull out bass during the tournament, really like, down the sides, yeah, <laughs> campgrounds. Uh, and then, um, you got a lot of cats in there too, yeah, there are, yeah, those are coming back too, yeah. And so, like, there's like uh, the carp aren't protected, but you have to have your license just in catch a game species, exactly. Um, so if you come out there, you don't know, or if you don't know anything about fishing, Endel is going to help you out with that. And they're going to say, Hey Ron, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) Sore loser over here. Okay, go ahead. So So we have tons of loaner equipment. Um, we'll have at least a hundred rods. So depending on how many people come out with their own equipment, uh, we do have a loaner program while you're there, um, from eight 30 to 10 30, I believe we'll double check. 11 30. Emily go specifically 8 30 yeah. to 11 30 yeah that's okay. the well, fishing we'll time is. yeah right <laughs> and so yeah so we'll have loaner equipment and then um i do some uh corn special corn 
um, that our awesome regulars have kind of given me their secret recipe that they get oh, very and, make nice. and bring out in little vials. And then I actually take that their kind of special mixture and add it to the corn and uh, like melt it down almost. In and then it's really easy to bait that up and then add a power egg, um, kind of like the Sin City guys showed during uh, one of the videos. Um, that way it floats up a little bit off the ground and entices the cart to come on up. Really? Okay, so like, like if, if people are coming out, people are listening to this, and they want to get into fishing, um, Prairie Refuge is what, Emily, an hour outside of Vegas? Yeah, it's like a, about an hour and a half, um, depending on where in Vegas you're coming from. Yeah, and so you can come out there. You don't even have to bring a pole. You're going to have Endow volunteers out there to bait your pole. Like this is the best. This is almost like a guided fishing trip, right, that no one's getting paid for? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, even better. I mean, you can come out there, go out there Friday, and there's probably a couple camping spots open. They probably going to go pretty fast. So I'm assuming because yes. you know mm-hmm. everybody wants to go out and do this. So, but there are places to camp out there that are kind of nice, and you know you can go stay at the RV park in Alamo. That's always a wonderful thing. But there's a couple rooms out there as well. So, but there's a lot of stuff to do out there, and the fishing will be good. And you just go look at the, the refuge. I know you guys have a new visitor, visitor center that's open too. That's going to be, that's pretty awesome. I went in there. I hadn't been in there before and I went in there uh, to meet with Rob. So there's a lot of stuff to do out there besides just going to the fishing tournament. You know, you're not far from Heiko, which is another WMA as well. So you can kind of tour the WMAs a little bit. Yeah. One of my favorite and um, what I think makes it really phenomenal is first you have two agencies putting on. I mean, Emily's heading it, but Endow is stepping up huge. I mean, you're bringing tons of loner poles, you're bringing bait, you're bringing hooks. Like volunteers will be out to help on the dike. And if mm-hmm. someone catches a monster that they're really having a hard time struggling to bring in, we'll have our uh, really big uh, nets out there to help get it oh, to shore. Awesome. Yeah, and the carp are really fun. To- they're just a big muscly fish and so they're gonna jerk your pole it'll be it's not like reeling in a trout it's like reeling in a rock is what yeah. it feels like <laughs> and so you're gonna have you know end up volunteers to help you reel in the big old carp rocks people on the dike going a, a new angler or a, a dad with kids like this is gonna be a phenomenal event it's gonna yes. be a great time and like like you said one year you pulled out what a hundred plus fish so it's gonna oh, yeah. like people are gonna have a good time and the the end goal and the reason why me and Brian's group got involved one is because we love Rob and he told us to and so that was the first reason we got involved the second reason is because um, we love habitat and we love ducks and like at the end of the day this is a great habitat I mean uh, correct me if I'm wrong Emily um, you have a college degree I don't um, the carp are an invasive species they're not even native correct am I wrong on that yeah, no, you're correct. Um, yeah, they're an invasive species, and they're not just invasive um, at Paranagat, but they are found in a lot of waterways um, throughout the United States, and they're invasive um, in most of those waterways. So um, they really do pose a, a big threat. Um, they're actually one of the most damaging species I read because of just how widespread they are, um, and then the fact that they muddy up the water and if you have a decrease in water quality, then you have a decrease in, you know, the amount of aquatic vegetation. Um, you can have more algae blooms um, and all of that is going to affect if, um, whether it's your or in another waterway. 
Yeah, I, I was watching a documentary, and I I could be wrong because I don't have all the facts, but it was about carp and the Asian carp that were brought over from uh, probably, I, I don't know if these are the Asian carp, but anyways, they're brought, what are they? It, uh, they're just common carp. Asian carp are the flying ones. Are they? We are making sure we do not get them in our waters, for sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell us a little bit. What do you know about the, the species and, like, the, the history behind well, it? Well, so I was thinking you were going to go there with it. Um, okay. From what I saw, too, I mean, just like um, our early settlers near the Virgin River, they brought them as a great food source. It's a nice fatty fish. Um, so you get the protein and you get the fats from it, so it helps sustain you longer. Um, they obviously grow very well and in many different climates, <laughs> conditions, and habitats. They also, I believe, yeah, same thing was they came over like people brought them and then put them into waters near the railroad. So that's how it really spread really? so well. Mm-hmm. So bucket biologists at the prime right there. So <laughs> way early. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that makes sense. Like coming across the plains, you're like, well, I want this food source. It's not native here. Well, all this had it. I mean, they'll grow. And then they didn't understand how much it ruins the native habitat. I mean, the same thing happens up at Cummins Lake with oh, yeah. uh, Pike. The, the old bucket biologist. He, uh, he goes over to, what's that reservoir he goes to? Bassett? There's some dude up there that goes over to Bassett and pulls the pike out of Bassett Reservoir. I, yeah, and then, Utah. To, it's, yeah, Bass- it's in Utah, too? Well, they the, they pulled they cleared Bassett and Cummins, and the pike have to have been coming from Utah. Mm. See, and that's and the funny thing is, you, we talk always about Utah's fault. Why we why we think that the that the uh, <laughs> carp were inter, introduced, and so we talk about the carp being introduced probably as a food source. And the funny thing is, you know, most people won't eat carp today, and so we're going to kind of kind of fix that a little bit so we're going to bring um, our good friend Rydell out from Field to Grill and I think he's planning on maybe doing some carp tacos um, or something like that so we'll take some of those fish and we'll actually show people that they're, they're these are actually edible fish and they can be pretty good if, if they're prepared right it's like anything else so we talk about it all the time with ducks and stuff like that if it's, things aren't prepared right then you're not going to like them if they're prepared correctly like them. so we can have Rydell kind of teach people the right way to maybe do it and a recipe idea and you know it'll be good because if we can use them and manage them and it's different so i think it's part of the the stigma with carp around southern nevada is you go out to lake mead right and so you go up to the dock and, and you drop your cigarette butt in the water <laughs> you can drop and, anything and, and in and the you, water you catch man. A carp and you know so people don't want to eat that because of what they're eating you know they're just like a catfish or they're, they're going to be off the bottom they're going to be feeding on whatever they can get their get their mouths on right yeah you don't have that issue necessarily at Paranagan because we don't have the docks and the marinas and all that other stuff so it's what's eating in the native environment so um ron actually has has swore that he ate carp and it was the best fish he ever had hold so. on so john scallon's up here on the screen he's in the comments he says uh ron shoots so many coos does he eat carp too absolutely john you know i do i don't even know what you're asking Anyway, so uh, uh, when I moved out to the Moapa Valley, um, we had, I, I didn't duck hunt much, so I was, I, was, I was fishing with my buddy Jared, and we were fishing this one particular uh, river, creek thing, I don't know what you'd call it, it was only three foot. Of- <laughs> Anyways, we're fishing there, and we kept on pulling out all these carp, and I was like, he was just, he was just throwing them on the bank, he's like, we just gotta take these out, they're invasive. And I was like, well, why don't we take them home and try to eat them? He goes, those are trash fish, no one eats trash fish, Ron. Ex- Trashy people eat trashy things, Jared. <laughs> and so um, we took it home, and we'd, we'd fillet tons of fish. And so we, we'd go to start filleting this fish, and 
Oh, I can see why people didn't eat it because you're flaying it. And it's a really greasy fish. Have you flayed one? No, I was planning on yeah us like showing it during the carp rodeo this year too. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. so you're Scraping flaying this. It, yeah. yeah, so you're flaying this fish and you're going down the backbone. Is a lot of grease is coming off of it, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to eat this. And so we filleted it and we filleted it out good, and we we breaded it. And we didn't tell our wives, and we just threw it in with the catfish, breaded, and put it on tacos. And they're like, man, these these bigger chunks are the best. And I was like, well, those are carp, anyways. And so, like it, like a lot of people think it is a trashy fish, but it comes. There's a reason why it's for sale in the Asian markets, and there's a reason why the pioneers drug it all the way across the plains, <laughs> is because it's basically like, listen to you. It sounds like the the wild hog of of big fatty animal that causes a lot of damage. Yeah. And so, the carp gets a bad rap for people not wanting to eat it, and I think you ought to try and. And like we said, Rydell from Field to Grill, he. And have you met Rydell yet? That sounds awesome. You are going to love him. He, <laughs> he he's a world class chef. He has his own TV show, and he has generously stepped up. And he's going to be out there doing cooking demonstrations and giving away. So you'll catch the carp. You'll bring it over to him. We'll get it flayed up. Wow. He'll fry it up, and it'll be on tacos. So. Cool. And that's uh, and you know that's one of the good things we're going to teach people how to do it. And what people don't realize is that. You know, we all we all like our sport species of fish, and the more fish we can catch, the better. And the varieties, it's all awesome. But introducing fish to a fishery that weren't native to that fishery, nine times out of ten, is going to be devastating to that fishery. And even when it's controlled and done what we think is properly, we have we have issues. So you look at Lake Mead, and we have striper in Lake Mead, right? And so. The striper in Lake Mead, a lot of people don't realize, before we had the striper in Lake Mead, it was one of the bass, best bass fisheries in the United States. And we had ba- the first Bassmasters tournament was actually at Lake Mead. And then we introduced the striper, and because the theory was that the water temperature changes too much for them to be able to reproduce. Well, we were wrong, right? And so they're reproducing like mad, and now that species is so aggressive that it's actually pushing other species out so not the carp yeah not the carp the carp are still pretty good <laughs> but you have the same thing with the carp as we started to push the, the bass out and we started to push the cats out and so as we remove those it gives them more access to food and all the other stuff that we need to have have those species actually thrive people want to they want to hunt fish bass and they want to fish get catfish and you know so we're kind of it's a double uh, we're getting double benefit, right? So we're reducing the population of carp and you get to use the carp. And if we can teach people how to eat them and, and enjoy them, you do that as well as helping that next species grow back and improving the habitat for what that management area is actually designed for. Yeah. I was talking to somebody about this, the usefulness of carp. And I was like, man, they, they, they pull so many out. Um, I don't, the, 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 the people that pull them out regularly that know the tricks, do they eat them? Is that their, their they do end take game? Some home. Yeah. But they yeah. definitely like, don't keep all of them. They literally pull out buckets. Buckets that, and buckets. Yeah, the pull. right picture with the. Here, go ahead and share that screen right there, Brian. Um, yeah. So those three guys each pull out a bucket themselves, and the wife did pretty good this last year too. She usually just comes out. She hadn't fished as often, but she did pretty good too. So they pretty much almost had like four buckets between the four of them. Really, four buckets. Well, let's see. I think there's a picture in here. And this is Adrian from yeah. Sin City Outdoors. He does, this is um, him in 20, or junior in uh, 2019. But yeah, are these the poles <laughs> they're using? Where do you, is that, you sell them at Walmart? No. They're, <laughs> they're really big in Europe. 
Um, and so, yeah, they special order them. They have these special order bobbers. Um, actually, in the Sin City Outdoor video, they interview Nikolai's uh, and with his tackle box, and he shows all these monster um, bobbers along that he puts on those poles <laughs> and puts it all the way out there and drops it down and with their little scented um, bait. So try to make it as close to that so everyone has as much success as they do yeah. without the fancy poles though <laughs> yeah let's see i think there's a oh no he has this in the video but yeah they pull oh, out yeah. buckets full so anyways you're pulling out buckets full uh you can only eat it doesn't matter how much fish you like you can only eat so many and you can only store so many yeah <laughs> you know but another good thing you do with it is i mean what i like to do is i go around my fruit trees and i'll dig a hole and i'll plant a fish by every single fruit Oh, and then you're, your, so you're your, the one that's growing the fish to stock them. Is yeah, that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I, I'm a bucket biologist, but they don't last <laughs> really well in the dirt. Anyways, and so you could go put them around the trees. Um, I have a compost bin. I, I just recently dug it out. I'm bringing two coolers, and I plan on just putting them all in my compost bin and then covering it in dirt and letting that decomp because that's going to be a very rich soil. And so, um, a lot of people coming out there. If there's going to be probably plenty of fish to take home, so if you have a green thumb or you have or you have, um, I mean, you could fillet them, and you could, um, what's it? What's that called when you f- pack them in the plastic? I can't think of it. Vacuum seal. You could vacuum seal the fillets and store them in your freezer, and they'll store real well. And so, I mean, this is a is, is a very useful game fish, and there's a lot of uses for it if you start thinking about it. Um, another guy I was talking to from Texas, um, who's our buddy that, that works at Kell Ranch? Evan. Evan from Texas. He was telling me what he would do is he would take these carp, and he had an old blender, and he'd throw them in the blender, until the bones broke down, and then he's, he'd uh, put it on top of his dog food. Yeah. And so, like, it's a very high-protein-rich food for your dogs, and your dogs love it. Yeah. You know, and so there's all sorts of uses, and then um, on, on top of that, you're pulling out an invasive species that, that, that's going to definitely affect the waterfowl. And um, the pond you're pulling them out of, if you look at it and you drive past this pond, you'll look at lower Paranagate, which is too – is that what lower Paranagate to live in, Emily? Yeah, is that correct? yeah, we don't have any fish like, that live down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you look at that one and you'll see tons of vegetation and growth, and it's beautiful. And you'll, when you're kayaking out there in, in early duck season, you'll actually see bugs swimming in the water, which is just is is a buffet for for waterfowl. And, and then you get out, you get up to to lower Paranagate, well, upper Paranagate, I guess is what it's called, and it's this beautiful large lake, and it looks like a mud hole. You know, mm-hmm. and the reason for that is, is it has such an invasive species of carp. And uh, and you were telling me, Brian, how this one is, is especially for waterfowl versus other uh, refuges aren't right. Like yeah, so the each, ref- each federal refuge actually has a mission, right? And their their mission varies depending on where they are and what they're trying to protect and what species they're there for. And so this one is act. We're lucky enough to be. This is a waterfowl management area, and so. That's why we need somebody like Rob out there that has that passion and, and desire and has so much knowledge of waterfowl because his job is to make that one of the best waterfowl habitats in the western United States. So, um, and he's done a great job. I mean, we've got some of the water issues resolved. We have water when we did, where we didn't have water before. He spent a lot of time to do that. And so we have to have areas where we have experts doing it. We have another one that's up... Uh, Outside of Las Vegas, is that their their mission is to protect some 
um, native fish that's that's almost extinct. And so each one of these has a specialty, and we're lucky enough to actually have a duck hunting special or duck habitat specialty. And you know, part of that is you know we have different limits out there on shells and stuff like that when we go to hunt. Well, and people get the refuge isn't there necessarily for the hunters. That's not what it was designed for. It was there for the species and the habitat. And so sometimes those things kind of butt heads a little bit. But if we protect the species, you're going to have more opportunity throughout southern Nevada and throughout the state of Nevada to actually harvest waterfowl because they have somewhere to go. They have somewhere to nest. They have somewhere to breed. They have all those things that you want to see. And you look at the mallard population, and we do get a few mallards in and out you know, throughout the season. But most of our mallard population is actually born and and raised basically where we harvest. So in the state of Nevada, it's going to be that nesting, those nesting areas that are going to keep those resident mallards in that you're going to have a chance to harvest the next year. So that's their goal is they want to harvest greenhead. Well, you chase them all out and don't give them any habitat, you can't harvest any of them. So, Yeah, and we've teamed up with some good people um, for this carp rodeo. Hey, we switch back. I think they're all looking at the, the carp rodeo. Yeah. Some good people. Um, who are some of the sponsors that are coming out and helping you this weekend, Emily? Yeah, well, um, our biggest one is, of course, Endow, um, Nevada Department of Wildlife. They yeah. are, we already talked about, you know, bringing the fishing trailer out, the bait, the having the loaner program, um, and bringing volunteers. So um, we're really glad that they are willing to, you know, join us um, for this event. So it's really awesome. Um, and then another sponsor, of course, is Wynn, which is Wildlife Habitat Initiative of Nevada. Um, and they are going to be sponsoring our prizes that we're going to be giving out this year. So that is super, super exciting. Um, and they also are bringing Rydell so um, we can have our carp cooking initiation. So that's very exciting. Um, some of our other sponsors are uh, Southern Nevada Conservancy. They'll be sponsoring our um, cookout. We're going to ha be having a picnic lunch. Um, so they are going to be um, helping out with purchasing the food. Um, and then the Nevada Naturalists are another sponsor that we have. They are going to be coming out and volunteering and helping um, with fishing, but also with some of the other activities that we're going to have going on. Um, as we mentioned at the beginning, it is a family event, you know, and ages are welcome. And so in addition to having the fishing competition, we're going to have some other, you know, fun games and activities for the family um, that are going to be centered around fishing. So we'll have a lot of great information what other activities and, and fun games activities. Yeah, we have, um, we're going to have, we're going to have a table about, um, invasive species that will have an activity that goes with it. Um, and we'll have a casting game, which is really fun. So kids can practice their casting or really anyone. I'm adult and not good at casting. So <laughs> it's like a fun game. Um, we'll have our junior refuge ranger program, um, for anyone that's interested in doing that and also just getting information about it. We'll have that. Um, we have, you know, beanbag toss game. Uh, yeah. And, oh, we'll also be having a new, a new one, which is our carp quick draw. So for anyone that is feeling artsy, we're going to see who can draw a carp the fastest. Um, and well, you know, we'll take a shape of the day. 
So, <laughs> um, those are some of our activities. Fish and so that'll be, I'm guessing my, my daughter loves the draw, so that'll be not into fishing. They're still going to have activities. And then uh, old Garrett Schumer got on here, and he's he's bringing carp sandwiches. He said, <laughs> "Well, he asked if we're having them, so I figured he's going to come bring them." You so. know, <laughs> you've got some sponsors getting out stepping up really big to to bring the cool. and when they come out and do these um the other one that they do yearly is the free fishing day um that they usually will do an event they used to at least i don't know if mm-hmm. i haven't been to one in so long yeah but they you know those were really because they would provide gear if you needed it and then most of the time they gave away like I, every time i went my kids got a new fishing pole and so <laughs> that was really awesome um the cool thing about you know this event is there are some prizes for for Different areas and and some of the prizes are I mean what do we get Ron? Man, I'm super excited about it. So we kind of went haywire on it. Um, Emily called me up and she said, "Hey, listen, we we our, our normal sponsor backed down, so we need some help." And so we went up to Lifetime Kayaks in St. George, and they really took care of us. So we got um, four kayaks for a deal, and wow. so we're gonna have four kayaks there. Um, and after discussing with Emily, she. Uh, she put them into two categories. It'll be adult and kids for uh, most cot, and there'll be adult and kids for biggest cot. And so um, four people are going to walk away with brand new lifetime kayaks, and these are fishing sit-on-top kayaks. So they're going to be super, and they're actually me and Brian's. We both have the same ones. They're our favorite kayaks to hunt off of. Um, and so there'll they'll be those two kayaks. And then in addition to that, we went to um, and bought... I think 45 fishing poles and about 20 fillet knives. And for first caught, and um, we're going to do kids first, you know. Um, every kid that catches a fish will be able to come and um, show us that they caught their first fish and walk away with a fishing pole. And then um, and then once we get all the kids taken care of, any adult that catches a fish will be able to come and uh, get a fishing pole too. Awesome. So. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of prizes to walk away with. And, uh, you know, the goal is to incentivize people to come out. You know, come out and um, enjoy the WMA. Come out and enjoy all the hard work that Emily's put into this. Come out and enjoy all the work that Abby's put into this. I mean, um, she's been Abby's been doing it for years. She's developed a special bait that she's giving you. Like, the biggest thing, remember we were talking last week um, with the, the kayak guy at the Woods and Water thing? Oh, you weren't. You weren't. Anyways, yeah, I was there. You were there. Yeah. And ha- have you heard this? Yeah. I know. Uh, AJ, yeah. AJ. AJ was t- talking about it. Oh, he was talking about it? Yeah. Yeah, in our group. Uh, what he said is he said um, he said the, the best thing about fishing with a kayak fisherman is uh, when you go out to bass tournaments, they'll be like, hey, where'd you catch that fish? And it'll be like, the water. <laughs> and then what'd you catch it on? A lure. You know? And so, like, Abby's coming out and she's like, what did you, where do you catch this fish? <laughs> well, this is exactly how you do it. We want to make sure we optimize and pull out as many as we can. And so the goal this year is to go over 200, right? Oh yeah. We, we want to pull it over 200 yeah. for 20. We want to go over, you know, 2022. So. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And then, you know, that's the cool thing about it is one of the missions that Ron and I had with um, Wildlife Habitat Route in Nevada, the Youth Sportsman's Program, is to get kids excited about being outside. And so one of the cool things about being able to provide fishing poles where the kids get them first is that that gives those kids some of the equipment that they're going to need to be able to go out and enjoy the outdoors in Southern Nevada. And so and Nevada has some of the most beautiful land and it's so diverse. It's so biodiverse. You can go everywhere from, you know, up in snow to 90 relatively quickly. I was up Saturday. I was up 
going to Pahrump up in a little community of Trout Canyon. There was still snow on the mountain up there that would just drop, but you drop down into the valley and it's 92 degrees. So we have something most places don't have, especially if you're in Southern Nevada and the Las Vegas area. Within 30 minutes to an hour, you can do just about any activity you want. You want to rock climb, it's 30 minutes away. You want to go fishing, you can go to Lake Mead and it's quick. You have some urban parks that, that you can fish in as well. They get a little bit crowded. But you can even go for an hour and a half, two hours. You can be up in up in Pranagit and Heiko and those areas as well. Or you can go up to Mount Charleston and go skiing. So there's just so much to do. Um, we're very, very lucky to have. We have, and the only reason we have them is because people like you guys at Indow and and the, our federal partners as well that make sure that we maintain these these areas. So we have them for future use and and. You know, it's it's awesome to be able to walk into the middle of a desert and then go have ducks landing on water in the middle of the desert, right? And yeah. and for it to be actually managed to where, you know, we've we all know we're in a drought, but there's been active management controlled it as much as we can, so we didn't lose that habitat for the ducks completely. So there's a lot that goes into it that I don't think people see behind the scenes. And I know there's people that complain about some of the WMAs, this and that, about all sorts of different stuff. But you have to mission is. Mm-hmm. And B, what what kind of constrains them? So that you're all constrained by money is the big one. And not only money, but there's pots of money. And once you run out of money from that pot, you can't go back and work in that pot anymore. You have to wait till you have more money to fill up that pot. Rob and, and our in-down WMAs are pretty great too, but with Rob at Paranagate, he has taken and stretched out money and found money where he, other people didn't find money. And the reason he does it is because he has a true passion for that project. And so for us, I'm grateful that we have that ability to do that and we have people that are looking out for us like that. Yeah, I'm I'm super grateful to Abby and Emily for kind of, you know, sometimes Endow gets a thankless job. Like Abby's going to show up. And do a good job on Saturday. <laughs> it is guaranteed. But like, it will not they, be they, me. They come out there, you know, <laughs> I think Abby's doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> like, if Abby doesn't show up, I have to do it by myself. And no, Abby, you're the best person in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Abby's really just doing a great job. <laughs> yeah, no, but they, they show up and they kind of, they sometimes they have a thankless job, but you could tell they have the passion for wildlife or else they wouldn't do it, you know? Like, in fact, you're going to. Abby? The interns fishing, I got uh, two more interns to get their fishing license today. Um, so that uh, we'll fill up the truck and take them all out and get them fishing and testing the bait. So I'm going to make some tonight too um, and get that going. And then, um, so we'll be out there bright and early, literally lateral test it for Saturday, make sure the bait works, make sure um, the power egg, which will help it float a little bit and make and have them people on the shoreline. Um, but I, sorry, I wanted to add on to what you had said earlier about the um, uh, management areas, um, the refuges, especially with U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, we get all of our grant money from hunting and fishing um, materials. And what's really neat is that all the refuges have made a bigger push to involve hunting and fishing on them. And it's win-win for everybody and it helps with the management so it's nice to see them really step up as one of the bigger ones that wants hunting and fishing there no it's absolutely awesome that, that they that they have given us that opportunity i know when back in the day built the dike out there so when yeah. dike is out mm-hmm. 
you know, it needs to be redone. I know that's on that's on the schedule coming that's soon. I was talking a about leaky. it. We're, we're like, I was like, yeah, the, the thing's got more holes in it than <laughs> than it's got dirt. I think, but and that's the cool thing about it's it. From is everybody missing ducks. <laughs> not only is it, it's from Ron shooting. That's what it really is. We're not gonna lie. But from a lot of these hunting organizations and these outdoor organizations, a we go out and do projects on these. But B, every time we do a project that isn't necessarily in a management area, the Pittman-Robertson money comes back in, and that's what really funds wildlife in the United States. So the hunter is about the only class of people you'll ever find that had said, once the federal government said, hey, we're not paying enough in taxes, tax us more. And so every dollar we spend on ammunition and guns and all sorts of stuff, a portion of that automatically goes right back into wildlife. So... And, and then on top of that, when we're out doing these projects, that money gets divvied up to the states basically in a couple of ways. It's hunting and fishing licenses is one of them. But the other one is man hours spent on projects. So if I go out and do a drinker guzzler project, then that guzzler project could very well fund a, a waterfowl project in the future. And every hour that we're out there, we're getting paid for it. And every mile that we drive, we're getting paid for it as well. So then you're getting from the time you leave your house to the time you get back home, the state of Nevada is actually getting funding every minute you're out there doing a project. So you think about it, you're just doing a project for yourself and, and, you know, it's great to help the habitat, but your impact is so much greater than just the hours you gave, right? Yeah. Every one hour is three times that back to the state. Every state does this. So if somebody wants to come out on Saturday and they're not super interested in fishing, but they just want to help you out, would that count as volunteer hours? Oh, definitely. Yeah. If anybody, if anyone wants to volunteer, please let me know in advance though. Um, and so my email is on um, the webpage under fishing education and um, let us know, but I'll bring forms out to have people sign up and I'll log their hours for yeah. sure. And if you, if you don't know, like like being involved with Endel quite a bit, you could just show up and like, she'll put you to work somewhere yeah. <laughs> and we'll count your hours and we get to count gas and yes. we get to count miles. And it's a tax write off. Your, and, your miles are a tax write off. Yeah. And so like at the end of the day, if, if you don't have it, at, I guess if you're coming from <laughs> Vegas at 5 a.m. on Saturday, you know, and you want to come out there, come out there, help the kids fish, help new fishermen fish. I mean, it's going to be a good time. Well, oh, yeah. It's, it's, the state of Nevada has actually made it fairly easy to log volunteer hours. So you can go on and just sign up for an account and you can go on and log your hours. And it's not just specific projects each time. So if you're going out and you happen to be out and you're doing something and you're checking on maybe what water levels are in a guzzler or something like that. Yes. If you document that, we can use those hours as well. So you, you're, a lot of these things we're already doing as sportsmen. We're already getting out in the field. We're already going by water sources and seeing what's going on with the water sources and stuff like that. If we were just take the time to report that, then there's a benefit coming back to the state. And so we need to do it more. And I know Ron and I get pretty bad about it because we're always out doing stuff. <laughs> and we, we log our projects that we do, but we probably could be logging 10 times what we're logging just because you're out there in the course of doing things, right? Yeah. And so it's a big benefit. And that's, you know, if you enjoy being able to go out to your WMAs and stuff, and you enjoy them, the improvements that get made to them, that budget's got to come from somewhere. And we're not getting any more money from the government just for, for the sake of just giving us money. We're going to have to earn it. So um, get we out there and log them. Yes. Um, yeah, our director reminded us again the other day that we are the smallest um 
conservation agency in the country. Like we run, but we also are one of the best in my opinion. Like we go to conferences, we hear what other states are doing and we're definitely doing above and beyond, but we're also running on one of the smallest because we don't have to worry about state tax. Budget. You know what? Like Brian said, if Staff. you're getting out and you're <clears throat> like it's off road season right now, right? And you're 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 smashing around in your your UTVs and everything, and you know, like you could always swim, put a stick in it, take a picture of it, and then you could track your whole day in miles and write it all off. Yeah, you know, and it, and it's a big help to end out because last year or a few years ago during the pandemic, we lost like a whole herd of. A big horse sheep because the guzzler went dry and no one went out and checked it and um you know and and it was this it was during a drought and during the pandemic and it was just a perfect storm and it happened you know but that didn't have to happen because us as sportsmen we're, we're out there all the time we don't like to be cooped up in houses we don't like to be uh benching netflix i mean i mean meat eater i guess i don't know but Oh, but yeah, the uh, new seasons are good. They are. <laughs> they are. I watched them down in Hawaii. Yeah. Anyways, anyway, that's another subject. We could spend hours on that. But yeah, we don't like to. We don't like to sit. On, if you're out, make a good use of your time. It's not that hard to take a stick and put it down in the guzzler, measure the water, take a picture, log your hours, and, and it's a very easy. Who who does that at Endow for you guys? The volunteer. Yeah. Um. So we just got Michelle Lopez. She was. Mm-hmm. For the last year and a half during COVID, um, my right hand man, and so <laughs> she became coincidentally she became our volunteer coordinator and has been rocking it nonstop. She has a whole stack of papers from the last Guzzler project last weekend, um, and so yeah, she will help anyone and everyone become involved. We do everything from yeah independent projects to um, anything assisting with conservation education projects, hunting, fishing programs, and classes. We do um, want them to do a background check and become an actual instructor uh, but it's really easy you just click on get involved and it sends your info to any of us and since we're talking about fishing I do actually have a program started too with my instructors or anybody that is going out regularly to fish um, for fishing information I don't burn fishing spots I promise <laughs> um, but <laughs> I promise just drop me a pin I won't I go very general. Um, But um, if you are going out fishing and you get some good information or, yeah, we're not seeing fish or somebody does catch a bass out of praying it, which we barely ever see, let let us know. um, It's volunteer time when you do a fishing or a little mini fishing report. Oh, really? So they can send you a quick email about it and that counts as volunteer time? Yeah. You can write off all your hours on your fishing trip. Exactly. And you can tell your wife, I'm doing it for conservation. I'm doing it's not it about it's not the, about the fish and having a report. The, the government me needs me. And you know what? This is a great thing about it. You look at these WMAs and and everything Endow does and employees. So they all live in the state of Nevada and they all they all live in our home. One of the special parts about our federal partners is these people that are on these preserves are coming from all over the place. So they're coming from, they've been in different flyways and everything else. And so they've uprooted their whole life to people in the state of Nevada, which is pretty awesome, right? So you moving from New York and then, um, I don't know where Rob comes from, but he, I think he was, he he's from the Ozarks, money in his backyard man. still. So, but uh, no, such a variety. So what they bring with them is a lot of experiences from those different areas. And we talked about, you know, coming from New York to, to Southern Nevada. And, and I know Rob was in, he's been in like 
think every flyway in, in the United States he's worked in. So um, you get that experience, but they're, they all come to our state and they give everything they have to make our state management areas or refuges a, a much better place to be. Definitely. No, yeah, I, well, that's funny you said that. I was talking to Emily before the show, and should I let the cat out of the bag that this is, this is your last rodeo? Yeah, this is, is unfortunately first? my first and last rodeo. <laughs> um, I, I, <laughs> um, as Brian just said, um, you know, we move around a lot um, working for the government. And so um, I actually just got offered a position in Acadia National Park. So I will actually be moving yet again um, and I'll be moving up to Maine. Um, and spending some time up there. So I'm excited to bring the experiences and the knowledge that I've gained here um, with me. She was telling me that her mom gets so mad at her. She's like, you're moving again? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think my parents are sick of me moving. <laughs> like, when are you going to move back home, but not back home? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, in the comments, our Southern boys uh, chiming in. First off, uh, Scotty Fowler's in here saying we should do carp gumbo. And they said carp barbecue. And then John Scallon said carp, smoke carp. And then Garrett got in and said, uh, as long as you don't skip on the Cajun seasonings, I'll, I'll eat it. So we've got a lot <laughs> of suggestions, man. We, we might have a, a, a carp smorgasbord out yeah. there. I have so. to say, I really liked carp cakes. They made carp cakes out there one year. What? Yeah. Who made those? Uh, his name's Chig. He works for I. Emily? Was he on the list? You called Jake Emily? No, he moved during the pandemic. He moved away from Las Vegas. He's actually now living somewhere in California. I'm not totally sure. Um, again, um, but he didn't. He wasn't going to make the trip. Um, so unfortunately, we'll not have carp cakes, which I was really excited about trying the carp cakes. So I'm a little disappointed. Well, so you have Chase's contact information then, right? <laughs> yeah. Will you will you reach out to him and get his uh so we can put it up on the Battleborn Doctors page? Yeah. Okay. Oh well, yeah, I will go. definitely do that. Maybe yeah. we'll have to maybe we'll have to talk to Rydell and can do some tacos. Maybe we'll do some gumbo or something like that. Some gumbo? Yeah. That sounds good. Sounds good. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make Rydell cook that again. Yeah, that too. He doesn't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> right, that was what we get for not chiming into the show. Buddy. Yeah, that's what happens so, when you don't pay attention to us. Rydell right is now going to make carp cakes, carp gumbo, and carp tacos. So, <laughs> what else do we want Rydell to make? <laughs> I do have a webinar on carp too that we did last year since we weren't allowed to do it in person. And I'm trying other list items I put on there. Oh, yeah, they had drunken carp, baked carp, and crispy fried carp were the top. You know, I, I heard a lot of people when they get drunk, they eat carp. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually when they Some eat it. Right. <laughs> you know, we we had um, we had crispy trout time last year up oh, in a fishing you tournament. Had that we before? did, and it oh was a gosh. Thai crispy Thai trout. No way! And that was probably the best trout I've ever ate. And it was mm. super super simple. He took a like a little bit of salt and pepper, yeah, and then cornstarch, and then you just fried it in vegetable oil, but. He was saying that it wasn't really that good because normally he leaves it out in the sun for like 24 hours and lets it dry out even more and it becomes even more crispy. But man, that was the best 
trout I've ever had. Wow. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah, we we ate so much that we weren't even hungry. We were still eating it. That's how good it was, you know? Um, hey, Brian, will you put this map up here? I just want Emily to kind of tell us where um, where we're meeting out here. So this is this is Upper Pranagate Lake. Emily, are we going to be up at this upper, upper dam here right above the camp? Everybody's going to be yeah. at? Yeah, that's where we're going to be meeting. Um, so if you're coming south from Vegas, or yeah, if you're heading north from Vegas, um, you'll be on 93. Um, you'll go past the visitor center, like entrance. Um, there'll be a sign. And then you'll continue going three miles up. And it's another sign, it's a big sign that says Upper Paranagate Lake. And um, we had left-hand turn lanes were installed last year when they redid the road. So we have some nice left-hand turn lanes so you can left turn. Um, you'll come down the campground road and then you'll see the picnic pavilion and it'll be that first dike um, that we'll be meeting at. And you'll see yeah. things set up so you won't be able to, to miss it. <laughs> and so when it starts at 7, it starts at 8 o'clock, correct? Um, yeah, so registration is going to begin at 8.30. Um, and then the official competition time will be nine o'clock and the official end time for the competition is 1130. So volunteers will be getting there before 830 to get everything set up. Okay. And then, um, people will just come in and weigh their fish as they catch them. So you don't have to fish right off that dike. You can go all the way around the lake, correct? Yeah, you can fish from anywhere around the lake. Um, you can, if you have a fishing cot that meets federal and state regulations, you can feel free to fish out of your kayak or canoe or watercraft. Um, we don't allow, uh, we allow boats that have electric motors, but nothing, you know, bigger than that. And there is no like official boat launch. Um, that you can if you're camping you can fish from your campsite yeah you could really go go anywhere um we are you know putting some we're baiting ahead of time and putting some corn out uh for the carp so they should be um up and around the dike area are you allowed to bring your own corn and chum if you wanted to yeah definitely okay Awesome. So you're actually allowed to use kayaks. Pulling a carp on a kayak would be super Dude, we fun. We might have to bring the kayak. Well, I'm already bringing yeah. four. You we got to bring like no. at least two more. No. <laughs> I need to get... test them. Yeah, test them. that that would be a blast. Yeah, man. it would. Um, so there's actually a kayaking tournament going on that weekend. Um, I know. But I'm if if those boys could come out there with their kayaks, man, that would be a blast. <laughs> their $10,000 kayaks. <laughs> I was like, excuse, excuse me, 10, ten what? I was out fishing with Jared, yep. and we caught a carp, and it broke off the bobber, and it was one of those light bobbers, and all both me and him were in a canoe, and we chased that freaking light bobber around the lake for a good hour trying to pull that carp back in the Oh, it was probably and it was two big guys and we're not small we're both in a little canoe trying trying to reach over and grab this light barber oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway so it could be a really good time if you get out there with the right watercraft how how deep does Prentigate lake it doesn't get how deep does that lake get out there um yeah i don't know exactly how deep it is it's not very deep i want to say it's like maybe five or six feet deep it's nothing too crazy okay. okay well awesome so did you have anything else abby on your list of 
like oh. the carp facts? Since you were talking about different kinds of fishing, though, um, you can't get in the water, so that's why you can't spearfish. So you yes. And it's really hard to see visibility-wise anyway, so you can't okay. get in the water. Like, if you had waders, it'd just be really tough. Like I said, with that rainy, windy day, one of our instructors actually went in the water with his waders, and it... <sighs> The dike's really rocky, um, so it's not the easiest to get in and out of either. Okay, so it wouldn't be that that effective to spearfish then? No. Or, well, yeah, because you can't get in there. What about, are you allowed to bow fish out there? Emily, do you know? Um, yeah, as long as you're away from other people. I talked to uh, Rob about that um, before, and he said as long as you're away from other people, um, it'd be fine. Rob ruins all of our fun, man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like some rules or regulations we have to follow or something. <laughs> I mean, safety? Who needs safety? Like, safety's like number four. Well, if you get a campsite, <laughs> then you'll be like... Yeah. So you could potentially walk the whole shore of the lake and bowfish, because those carp are pretty close to the shore. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah, with they the do. Shore. Yeah, so that could be a good time, but... um. Do you have any other facts you'd like to add, Abby? I know she has a whole presentation over there. Fifty percent of it. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, just if anybody had any other questions that we didn't answer, and here's this later on um, the webinar. So because of COVID, we sat at home and made webinar videos on everything and anything. So How there's a awesome. few. <laughs> there's at least like three you could end out and binge. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, there's at least three art videos, two for Pranagit, one with one of the guys that um, literally just goes after the trout everywhere and Floyd Lamb. And I think he caught his was 20 something pounds out of Floyd Lamb. Yeah. So he's on there. He's in the. Oh, a carp? There. 20 pounds? Yeah. yeah. They get big. And in, in, in a city park. So that was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> and then also I have like the diagrams on like really good carp baits, rigs, and how people can mix it up. Okay, and they can find that on the Endow website or uh, our YouTube channel. In okay. The Department, Department of Wildlife. Of it's just abbreviated. This is the same channel where the commission are. Yes. Okay, awesome. So they could go to YouTube and search Endow and then find the the, yes. the web page, and then it's on there. Yeah, it'll be under the playlist. Okay, awesome. Well, that's that's great. Well. Um, Emily, do you have any, any final words? We're, it looks like we're, we're getting close to an hour here. I, I, I didn't know, um, I could talk that long, but looks like we're almost there. Do you got anything <laughs> else? No, I'm just, uh, excited for the event. And so we yeah. hope that, um, anyone that is interested is going to come out on Saturday. And like we talked about, the weather should be nice. So, um, it should be a really great day for fish aid. So we hope to see a lot of people out at Paranagate. So, yeah, I think we're thank you so much for spending time and coming on the show and, you know, just uh, working the jobs um, that, that take care of wildlife. And um, I know you guys aren't millionaires because you work those jobs, but it's, it's definitely a labor of love. And um, I, I excited to see your career path, Emily. And I know you just got out of school in May. It's kind of, I mean, you're already on to your third national park. So, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's very bit. exciting. <laughs> You know you can stay in a house for more. It, it is possible. I, I didn't think we could. I didn't know that that was an option. <laughs> I thought they only did on year leases for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't made it a year, girl. 
<laughs> All right, well, you know, and I made it six months, so it's the longest I've uh, <laughs> that's the longest I've been in one place before I moved. So it's a good thing it's all for the same. Have issues with your resume? Like you, you were at this job for three months. Come, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the the nature of the job for sure. But um, yeah, I am lucky that it's all the same agency. <laughs> Well, you know, thank you guys for coming on. We want to thank uh, Endow and, and our friends at U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service for, for coming on and sharing this with us. And make sure everybody comes on out Saturday, the April 30th, you know, catch some carp, eat some carp, have some games, win some prizes. Um, it's going to be a really good time. And, you know, like we always say, if you're going to go out this weekend, make sure you take somebody with you if you can. If you're going to take somebody with you, why don't you try to teach them something? If you can't take somebody or teach somebody, make sure you hunt hard. Mm-hmm.